Welcome to the Modern Meinhof Podcast. I am your host, Richard Huffman, expert in all things Bader Meinhof. This is the only podcast devoted to, yet unaffiliated with, the Bader Meinhof gang. We talk about left-wing German terrorism of the 1970s, the Red Army Faction, Bader Meinhof gang, student activism, and other related ephemera. And it is July 10th, 2010, and um, I just learned today that a couple of days ago, Fritz Teufel passed away at age 67. Now, who was Fritz Teufel? Uh, Fritz Teufel was a student leader in the 1960s in Berlin and was uh, at the epicenter of the movement that gave rise to the Bader-Meinhof group in many, many ways. Um, first off, it's important to note that if you're in German, if you're, if you are a German, you hear the name Fritz Teufel, uh, you'd instantly maybe chuckle because his last name Teufel means devil in English. So it would be like hearing the name Fritz devil. And this was, um, this, you know, this name was, was too risable for the, uh, Build and the other conservative newspapers not to ignore. They, they love to talk about the devil um, doing this thing on behalf of the students or that thing. Um, um, Fritz Teufel, along with several other people such as Reiner Longens and other people in 1967, formed Communa 1, um, Commune 1, which was a, uh, a communal living group of um, various kind of student activists um, in an attempt to throw apart um, patriarchal German society. They were incredibly famous and prominent at the time, partially because they had a terrific sense of humor, particularly Fritz Teufel, because um, they would do all kinds of actions and, and humorous uh, um humorous actions that would um that would were seem to be inspired to generate publicity and press um in 1967 they started planning to bomb uh with pudding with custard bomb the the motorcade of um of u.s american vice president hubert humphrey who was coming to visit and the police got wind of it and it was all over the press that there was this bombing planned um and they were kind of embarrassed later that they found out that it was actually pudding and custard and um but the the communard communards were arrested and of course they turned it to their advantage to point out this is ridiculous it was going to be just a big show or whatever um Teufel, um uh, was a participant in the infamous June 2nd, 1967 riot in Berlin, where the police uh, and Persians set upon um, these protesters against the Shah of Iran's presence in Berlin and just beat him mercilessly. It's where Benno Onazorg was, was killed by the police, um, giving rise to the martyr that helped, I guess, kickstart this revolution that these students were trying to um start and teufel was he was well known by the police in fact he was targeted and he was arrested almost immediately at this protest and put in jail um along with other student leaders he was recognizable because he had long hair and a and a beard kind of looked like john lennon at the time um after that protest um Fritz Teufel and or the, an incident happened in in uh, in Belgium in I think it was sixty seven where um, where essentially uh, 
a, a department store burned to the ground and it was uh, just a horrendous, horrendous um, uh, fire. And I think this happened, let's see, I'm looking on my website. Yeah, it happened about a week before um, the June 2nd riot. And essentially what they did, what, what happened was this was a, um, this was a uh, fire that burned this department store in Belgium and it killed over 300 people. And there was a huge suspicion at the time that it was set deliberately by radicals, anarchists, communists, because they were targeting this store because of its rampant consumerism. And there was some displays, um, consumer displays going on in there. And, and um, it was never proven, but it was sort of implied and thought by a lot of people that radicals had burned this department store down. So Teufel and Longins and others in, in commune, or, uh, commune One decided to put out a flyer and this flyer basically said, uh, hey, what went on in Belgium was part of the Vietnam War, part of their own war against radical consumerism, radical capitalism. And it ended with the lines. Let me let me open it up in English here. I'll read you the final line of it. Um, it says some of the effect, if, if there's a fire somewhere in the near future, if anywhere is a barracks in the air, when a stadium you know, somewhere in the stand collapses, don't be surprised. Nowhere the de um, nor will the demarcation line between uh, the Americans and the bombing of downtown Hanoi um, and the arrival of Marines to China. Brussels has given us our only, our one answer, burn department store burn. What they were saying was, don't be surprised if this war in Vietnam, this war in the third world, this, what they felt to be an imperialist war starts coming home to, to Germany. Um, and it was essentially talking about how great it was that this department store burned. Well, um, they actually were arrested for this, um, I think at the end of the year as, because they were charged with inciting to, um, to commit arson. And this trial went on and it went on, um, through early 1968. And in the end they were acquitted and they were acquitted because, the judge felt, well, it was for theoretical purposes only. It, it couldn't inspire actual people to do it. You have to give people the ability to talk about their thoughts in theory, but nobody's going to be inspired to try and burn down a department store. Um, about one week after they were convicted, uh, or where they, I'm sorry, where they were acquitted, um, Andreas Botter, his new girlfriend, Gudrun Enslin, uh, Thor Thorwald Prold, and um, uh, Horst Sonlein, four um, friends, traveled to Frankfurt and actually tried to burn down two department stores. They set bombs, timers um, that they left in some displays in the upper floor of these two different department stores in Frankfurt and burned, you know, and burned entire floors of these department stores, causing considerable damage. Um, it's never been totally proven that they were inspired by the pamphlet, but it's pretty clear that the milieu that that pamphlet was part of was definitely inspiration for this group. And you could actually say that exactly was the, uh, the initial um, crime of the Bader meinhof group. Well before Bader was in prison, broke out of prison with Meinhof, it was this action, this, this uh, burning of these department stores in 1968, April, um, that uh, was the true 
first crimes of the Bader-Meinhof group. So Teufel, um, after this, he was he was um, he he had spent six months in jail for this uh, incitement to arson. After his acquittal, he kind of drifted away and went to um, went to Munich for a while. He came back, and I believe he ended up becoming part of this nascent June second movement. But I don't know that he. I don't think he was a central part of it because ultimately he was actually arrested for the 1975 kidnapping of mayoral candidate um, of Berlin, Peter Lorenz. This was a famous kidnapping because the June 2nd movement kidnapped him and got the release of, I think, about seven members of their group and had them flown to Yemen and and other places. And this was tremendously inspirational to people in the Red Army faction because they thought, well, if they could do it, we could do it. And it led to their disastrous efforts to hold hostages in the Stockholm, um, uh, the, the German embassy in Stockholm and later their disastrous efforts to, to hold, uh, to, to, to hijack an airplane and, and, uh, and of course kidnap, um, the industrious Hans Martin Schleier. Um, but they all felt, well, God, the, the authorities negotiated with the June 2nd movement. Certainly they'll negotiate with us. Well, uh, Fritz Teufel was arrested as part of this. And many years later, when he finally went to trial, he was able to prove that he had an unassailable um, alibi. He was working in a, in a toilet seat factory um, at the time of this kidnapping. He couldn't have participated, couldn't have participated in this. Um, I think in, in the eighties, he, he moved to, to London and participated in like a collective bakery. And, and by all accounts in his later years, he was a pretty gregarious guy. He would, do interviews and talk to folks about his time. He, he ended up having a, um, an ambivalent feeling about his time, um, as a student radical, as a lot of people in his uh, position have, um, in a, um, in the single English language obituary in the Irish times, they, uh, they talk about it. They said, um, uh, in his final years, Teufel took a sober view of the student revolution, accepting its limitations, but denying it was a generational war. We weren't warriors, he said in his last interview. We were more blues brothers or urban Indians just before their confinement to a reservation. Um, anyway, I thought you'd like to learn more about Fritz Teufel, who passed away at age 67 this week. Um, in my show notes, I'm going to link to, if you go to the Botter blog, which has the podcast on it, you'll, I'll link to the, uh, Irish times, uh, um, Irish times obituary. And it's a very well-written, interesting obituary. They get a couple facts wrong. They don't even mention the June 2nd movement. They, they, uh, they claim he was sort of aligned with the Red Army faction. Not quite true, but other than that, it was, uh, it was an excellent, uh, excellent obituary. And, um, well, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and I will talk to you later. Bottom